0: Today we honor the exemplary contributions of that author whose words and daily actions are chimes in the darkness letting the light pour in and in. What amazing light has poured into our state in the work of Monica Wood. And so I am so honored to join you in recognizing and honoring my friend Monica Wood as she receives the Constance H. Carlson Public Humanities Prize, the highest honor of the Maine Humanities Council. Connie Carlson was the first woman president of a university in Maine, a beloved professor and a dear friend to many, known for her humor and her devotion to education. The Maine Humanities Council described her, quote, unique ability to translate a life of literature and ideas to a world of action and power. Constance Carlson also taught English graduate courses at Orono when my mother was studying for her master's degree there in the 60s and 70s while raising us five kids. She would arrive home in the evening armed with Theodore Retke poetry telling us how great Connie Carlson was. My mother always spoke so highly of her and Connie Carlson was an inspiration to my family and to so many others. Constance H. Carlson let a lot of light into our lives. And I can think of no one more fitting to receive this honor than Monica Wood, who with humor and humility has smoothed the jagged edges of grief and loss to remind me and countless others that love doesn't always hurt and that we are not alone. She lets the light in. Whether it is her stories about struggling rural mill towns and the home where she grew up or the memories of aching loss and the bonds of friendship, Monica Wood has used humor, honesty, and empathy to light a spark in the hearts of readers nationwide. You know... A state is known for what it creates, for who it creates, and for the arts, music, and literature it inspires. A state is known not only for its industry and its crops and cattle, but for its literature, for the people it it is inspired to identify with it, to uplift it and the people in it, to describe and deepen its character. That's why when we think of William Faulkner, we think of Mississippi. And when we think of Mississippi, we think of William Faulkner. When we think of Kathy Pelletier, it's northern Maine. H.L. Mencken, Baltimore. Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, we think of Boston and Concord, Mass, and Herb Kane, San Francisco, right? Getty. <laughs> when people think of Maine, they think of forestry, of farming and fishing, of beaches, woods and fields, and t-shirts and souvenirs at Old Orchard Beach, and foodie restaurants in Portland, of peepers and river paddlers. While our well-known backbone industries and tourist attractions do shape our economy and sometimes define our state in the eyes of others, we cannot overlook the contributions of art, literature, and culture to our state as well. Things that equally describe and define what we see, what we know, and who we are, the things that put us on the map. So for as long as any of us can remember, literature and the arts have exemplified Maine culture and have identified our state in a really meaningful way. Those whom the Humanities Council has honored before stand out as guardians of conscience and culture in the state of Maine. Gary Lawless, Donald Soctoma, Neil Rold, Billy Gammon, Tabitha King, and others. These remarkable individuals and so many other writers and artists, such as Edna St. Vincent Millay, Dolaf Ipka, Winslow Homer, Marsden Hartley, Andrew Wyeth, Jamie Wyeth, Stephen King, Wes McNair. Hey, Wes. <laughs> Saw you hiding back uh, back there. Betsy Scholl, Peter Ralston, Carolyn Chute, Louise Nevelson, Stu Kestenbaum, Lily King, Kathy and others, all inspired by the wild wonders of our state, have all become identified with our state, have all enhanced our sense of community and continue to expand our senses, open our eyes and ears and minds to the wider world of our imaginations. They light up our life. Some people ask, oh, why are the arts important? Why should we care about literature? They wonder, why should policymakers, politicians, business people, farmers, and nurses, auto, and office workers stop and think about the arts and culture? And my answer is, because our eyes can only see what is in front of us, because our ears hear only the sounds that are in the moment, our hands feel only as far as our reach. Literature and the arts, however, expand our horizons, help us see what is not obvious, help us hear things unheard, help us think differently. Finding connections between such disparate things and knowing that our world is a greater, much larger, better place, they elevate our soul. They get us through grief and fear and uncertainty into repentance and forgiveness. They let the light into our lives. And so today we honor this perceptive Mainer, a woman who found inspiration in beauty parlors, bean suppers, corner markets, rivers and paper plants, the hills and roads and mill gates that crisscross this state, the humane eccentricities of its people, their ethnic heritage, their bond with the land and with the waters, their isolation, their independence, work ethic, humor, humanity. Her craft is born of hard work, of tireless rewrites, and openness to criticism, edits, and change, I'm told. She is an assiduous craftsman. She cannot not write, as husband Dan says. She is the crafter of careful phrases that stick in your mind. Take these, for instance. I was flipping through my books. I've read all of them. Looking at what I underlined. I underlined things like, quote, dragging my hometown behind me like a shirt tail I can't keep tucked in. <laughs> cool? Or in One in a Million Dollar Boy, Louise kicked and scratched at life until the very end. Or also from the same book, quote, she'd gone clammy in the melting heat, Quinn noted. He felt like a tour guide who'd led his party into a quaint town square only, discover, only to discover a public hanging "quote she pulled into the Cisco station and opened the door to a blast of thick chewable air and in any better thing quote in and in he goes his mane his old life his younger self appearing bef- his younger self appearing before him as the road unrolls like a spool of remembered cloth god my god he praises is it here you have waited or" Also in Any Better Thing, quote, his voice sounded like poured cream exactly as I once knew it. And then in Ernie's art, quote, a character describing his father in a short story, The Temperance of De- Temperature of Desire, he said, quote, our father was a faithful man and I miss him still. That machinist who loved scales, everything calibrated, quantified. He measured anger in ounces, surprise in feet, and happiness in degrees Celsius. That's the writing of a humanities award winner. Monica's a big fan of poetry, you know. The first thing she ever published, I'm told, was one of a series of poems about working people, one entitled Waitress. I don't have it to read, so I'm not going to. I feel the same way <laughs> What she writes is clearly informed by poetry though, by the art of choosing words carefully in a measured fashion. For every word she's written, there's a reason it is there. In other books, you know, there are parts you can skip over, or breeze through. Monica simply does not write the parts that people skip. And when it comes to writing for the theater, her beautiful productions, *Papermaker* and Half Light, she understands that the word playwright is not spelled W-R-I-T-E, but W-R-I-G-H-T, as in Wheelwright, because it is a true craft, not just a matter of dropping random words on paper. But this is the Public Humanities Award. I want to talk not simply about Monica Wood, the author, and her power of observation and understanding. I want to talk about Monica, the person, Monica, the public persona. I want to talk about the Monica Wood who changed people's lives as a guidance counselor in Westbrook and whose former students, whether now historians or researchers, scientists, welders or homemakers, who even now message her or stop her on the street to say, oh my God, you changed my life. (laughs) I want to talk about the Monica who loves libraries and knows their value because I'm told there are not many libraries that she has not gone to. I want to talk about the Monica who, with her wonderful husband Dan, went public with a very personal story of a mental health issue in in order to help others overcome the stigma of depression and obtain effective treatment. Monica and Dan's courage and grace to speak openly about trials in their own lives has been a refuge in a turbulent sea for so many, including my own family. Together they've created, shelter, created a shelter from shame and ho- a home for healing for friends and strangers alike. She said, quote, we're not hiding this, she said in the newspaper. This happened and it takes so much energy to hide and so much less to be forthright and say, hey, this is part of life. Her openness and honesty about dealing with a difficult situation, Dan said, quote, is part of what makes her such a valuable citizen of Maine. And I want to talk about the Monica Wood, who was one of the judges in the Poetry Out Loud contest this past March, and who just the other day admonished, admonished the Portland Press Herald for its headline disparaging the state champion, minimizing his victories. A wonderfully talented Lewis and High Schooler, because he didn't win the national championship, but only came in ninth in the nation. An incredible victory for a young man from Angola with an irrepressible talent for reciting poetry. (laughs) So instead of, quote, coming up short, as the headline read, Monica said, this son of Maine rose to the top of a crowded and talented field, the winner in his home state, and one of nine finalists in the nationals. The headline should have read, student from Lewiston High School makes Maine proud. I want to talk about Monica Wood who spent three years teaching writing to women inmates at the Maine Correctional Center. She told me she just did it because she felt like helping those women and giving them some kind of the humanity and dignity that they deserved. Especially after recognizing that so many of them were there basically because of bad decisions they made involving bad men. At first the group would meet anywhere they could, even in a closet, while they began to take writing seriously. Monica had women writers come in uh, who signed the books for the women, books which the women then treasured among their scarce possessions. Monica then would ask the women to write something in that same style or spirit of the writer in the style of Hannah Holmes, for instance, about science, or Betsy Scholl about poetry. She organized public readings for these women, these inmates, to make them acknowledge and articulate what it is they felt and make them proud which became a big event at the prison, I guess. And this program caused the guards to start looking at women differently as well. Some of the women became more articulate, began talking with each other, and developed supportive relationships within the prison over books, over writing. And the guards saw these women now as whole human beings, articulate, intelligent. She had brought light into their lives. One morning... uh, Dan and Monica both told me there was a horrific snowstorm. Monica was st- scheduled to do her class at the prison. Dan said to Monica, you shouldn't drive to Windham's. You just got to cancel. Monica said, I'm going. And she had Dan put the chains on the t- truck tires and drive to Wyndham, <laughs> taking their lives in their hands. The prison was so surprised to see her. They said, well, we, you can't do this today because we're short-handed." And she said, oh, no, I'm here. We're doing this class. And she went around, she had to get the women out because they didn't think she was going to show up either. And she said, look, I told you I'd be here for you. And I'm here. I meant it. This fidelity writers in a difficult situation made such an impression on the guards and the inmates elevating their own self-esteem. She treated them with the dignity and respect as she does every, everyone she encounters. I think in dark times of our lives and in good times, We need literature, we need good words, we need the poet's conscience, the magic of of language, the skilled seamstress of thought, healer of souls, a light in a sometimes dim tunnel. Ring the bells that still can ring, Leonard Cohen wrote. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Life does not admit of perfection, as Monica Wood knows by any definition. Life is not where we make things perfect, not in our work, in our marriages, in our families, not in our love of country or in our government. There are imperfections, cracks in everything we put together, physical objects, mental constructs, emotional ties, but that is where the light gets in. That's where confrontation and redemption lie. With the brokenness of things and the imperfection of people, it is there that the light gets in. So I return to her own words to demonstrate some of the lessons of Monica Wood's words and her life. She talks about grief and loss in real terms. Quote, the world looks wrong after a death. The world looks wrong after a death. Its elements tilted, the insides of things exposed in ways you don't want to see. But you do see, you know things you don't want to know, she writes in When We Were the Kennedys and in any, better thing, any Bitter Thing, she wrote. He thinks he knows grief in its every shade as a dread of nightfall, a glue that has to be walked through, a ticking talk in an em- clock in an empty room, each talk like something taking bites inside his body. He thinks he knows how grief works <laughs> it sucks taste from apples it drains color from trees it makes absence in presence he thinks he's ready but grief does not prepare the bereaved for future grief grief is not something you get good at practice does not perfect anything about forgiveness she has written quote in my only story quote you see how the coats are jammed every which way i asked her as we passed through the mud room The people who live here don't mind the smell of each other. They don't mind each other's blunders. Forgiveness in this house rolls like the silk off a spool. If someone hurts you, you assume they didn't mean it. And in my only story again, quote, until this moment I had believed forgiveness to be a special virtue, a beneficence God expected of good people. But it wasn't that at all. Forgiveness was an instinct, a desperate impulse to stay connected to the people you needed no matter what their betrayals, end quote. And about life and learning, she wrote, quote, and this is from my only story, I love this. You have to have babies, you have babies to teach and learn, Leighton, you teach them to love dogs and sparrows and God. You learn to love the world all over again. The whole emerging world where a spider walking up a phone pole is a great big mystery. You teach them to be kind to others, you teach them to vote, you teach them a little respect for people and that they don't understand, and then by God's good grace you wind up teaching yourself the same lessons you learned as a kid or didn't learn to or forgot, and then the world is just a little bit better for everyone. While the discussion is about having children, the words also describe the act of writing, and how Monica's own stories give us new eyes to see, new things to feel, new light in the shadows of life, teaching us to love the world all over again. And finally, I think it is in the voice of 104-year-old Ona Vitkus in One in a Million Boy, who as she's fumbling to recall the words of her native language, as Monica Woods, Ma- Monica Woods seems to describe the very art of writing, quote, Outside her bubble of clarity lived a muffled chaos, a rising panic, a voice on a phone, but nothing reached her. Words zapped loose, first disembodied nouns, then white-hot adjectives, then a great spilling of fully formed sentences, like, like rabbits leaping joyfully from a bottomless hat. <laughs> Fearful to break the spell, she kept speaking, words upon words, every syllable, a gift unwrapping. Every one of Monica's words and deeds is a gift unwrapping. Her stories let us walk in someone else's shoes, see the light in someone else's heart, the goodness in their souls, the goodness in our own souls, the light in our lives. So congratulations, Monica, on this well-deserved honor for bringing light out of dimness, You are a one in a million, and thank you to the Maine Humanities Council for recognizing her incomparable gifts to her community, to learners everywhere, high and low, and leaders of every rank, to the state of Maine. Thank you.